Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast. This is an election year. Will Donald Trump be re-elected? What is going on with the Democrats? And has America gone even more crazy? We'll be discussing all of these things and more, more than once a week, because we don't feel you have enough Americano in your life. And I have a special offer for Americano listeners. If you want to subscribe to the Spectator's US edition, which is brilliant, by the way, I edit it, you can go to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe and take advantage of our special Americano offer. If you insert the code Americano in capital letters like Donald Trump on Twitter, you will get 5% off. Please do so. I'm joined today by Zach Christensen, who is publisher of The Spectator's US edition. And we're going to be asking if the 2020 election could end up being postal. Now, Zach, with the ongoing pandemic and the ongoing crisis and the ongoing uncertainty about what's going to happen in the next few months, there are growing calls for the election to be held by post. There was some talk of a virtual election. I think that's not going to happen now. I think that's been debunked. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think the general feeling now is that there is quite a good case, or certainly among a lot of Democrats, it seems, there's quite a good case for having a postal election. How realistic do you think that is? Well, I think it's I think it's tough. I mean, essentially, the way that it works in the US is that states manage their own elections. And so it'd be very tough for a, the federal government to come in and impose a sweeping rule that all, you know, elections, ha- all the elections have to be done vote by mail. So each state would have to make those those decisions individually. Right now, lots of people can vote by mail in most states, you know, it's called absentee voting. And so you, you request a ballot, and then the ballot's mailed to you, and then you mail it back in. Right now, though, you have to request it. I think the proposal that's being put out by a lot of people is that ballots are automatically sent to everyone, and you're, you're automatically opted in, in to vote. Right now, the way that absentee ballots are done, it varies state by state in, you know, the rules that are, are, are there that allow you to request the absentee ballot. Some, some states are very strict. You know, you have to prove that you're going to be out of the state and you can't vote in person, you know, whether maybe you're in the military, you're not going to be there. Others are much more lax. And basically, you just don't even have to provide a reason. You can just get it sent, sent your way. And so I think that's where you get actually a lot of things like where Trump said, you know, it's ripe for voter fraud. And that's why a lot of states, I think, try to limit, you know, the the number of people that can vote absentee. And there's a general feeling among Republicans, obviously, that voter fraud tends to favour the Democrats. I mean, it does seem to be the case that that is true. I mean, you have voter suppression, which is another issue, which seems to favour the Republicans and the Democrats whine about it a lot. But whenever there have been suspicions of voter fraud, and perhaps I'm wrong on this, it seems to have been in in the Democrats' favour that the, the fraud has been conducted. Well, I think historically, you, you did see historically in the US, the old you know the case of, of, of voter fraud was in Chicago, the Democrats stuffing the ballot box for Kennedy. You know, recently, obviously, Republicans often accuse Democrats of, of voter fraud. But actually, I might be mistaken in this, but recently, the only actual prosecuted case of voter fraud was, I think, in North or South Carolina, right, uh, where Republicans were actually prosecuted for cases of voter fraud. So I think it, you know, I, I actually think I'm, I'm one of these people that thinks that the, that the actual cases of voter fraud are actually extremely low, and it actually probably doesn't happen as often as you think. I think actually, most people probably just don't care enough to actually go out there and commit voter fraud. You know, it's, it's a lot of work to go through that. And the repercussions would be would be swift and, and tough, I think. So I'm not exactly sure it's something 
that we should be super concerned about. People might not want to conduct voter fraud, but but parties obviously would if they could get away with it. Sure. I mean, I, I guess if you could get away with it, you know, there's certainly unscrupulous people everywhere who would want to try to commit voter fraud. You know, I, I just, in order to to, to affect a, a nationwide election, you'd have to do it on a pretty large scale, I would think. And I can't see, I, I don't know, I guess I just have a hard time seeing a lot of people uh, attempting to do that. In, in the national or state parties. Well, I think Trump was asked about this and he said he was worried about fraud. And he also said that he does think that absentee voting should be allowed for the elderly and the military. Now, with the elderly, obviously, that may well come into play in November for not just the infirm and the people who can't get out of their house, but all the elderly because of their higher risk of dying from COVID-19. And if, if that is the case and it's not postal voting everywhere, is that a disadvantage to Republicans because older people tend to vote Republican? Yeah, this is interesting. And I think this is what prompted us to do a whole podcast on this because I started talking about how I, I really think it's interesting to me that Republicans are so sort of anti-nationwide vote by mail because I think it actually would put Republicans at a huge advantage if everybody was automatically sent a ballot. People who vote by mail or people who are familiar with mail tend to be older. You know, I think a lot of people, even my age, I'm, you know, I'm 35 years old, my age and younger don't know how to mail it, <laughs> don't know how to mail a letter. They don't know how the post office works. And they're not going to, you know, I think it's a it's a huge step for somebody to actually fill out a ballot and put it in the mailbox for a lot of people. On top of that, you know, if the entire country goes to vote by mail, it turns into a giant data game. You know, it, it takes out a lot of the, a lot of the sort of door knocking, it takes out a lot of the the other campaigning tactics that are that are done because you can do everything you, you can do these these massive nationwide what, what they call chase campaigns to chase down these ballots and the, the party with the better data and the party with the better sort of digital operation i think is going to have a much better opportunity to get people to fill out these ballots and mail them in for their candidate than than the other and so i think that really is i think that really puts the republicans at a, at a huge advantage over democrats if they go completely vote by mail well, explain that a little bit, because I, I think we've always been led to think, certainly until recently, the Democrats had a much better digital game, a much better tech game, certainly in the Obama era, and they were better able to identify voters and target them through text messaging or whatever. And if you're saying that postal voting becomes a data play, because I don't know, are you saying that it's because you would text the voter on the day to say, don't forget to go out and vote? Is that it? I think that you're talking about once every once you know that everybody has a ballot sitting on their kitchen, you know, on their kitchen counter, it really just turns into a digital turnout game. The Trump campaign and the RNC have spent the last three, well, the last three years, essentially, building out lists, building out supporter lists, running digital campaigns, running Facebook campaigns, text messaging. You know, they're sending out probably millions of text messages a day right now. So if you know that everybody in your universe, everybody that you want to vote for you has a ballot sitting on their kitchen counter and that you have 30 days to get them to fill it out and mail it in. And... Because you have those 30 days to fill it out and mail it in, you know, too, who has submitted their ballots because you can get, you know, you can do these, these chase campaigns and, you know, you can send a blast text message out to 50 million people and say, you know, don't forget to vote and don't, you know, don't forget to fill out your ballot. Send us a text message back when you have, when you filled out your ballot and you get these text messages back. So you get like, you get constant feedback that would be enriching your data file. So, you know, okay, these, these 1 million people have voted. We can take them off our list. We know that these people are Trump voters and we, we can like start to count you know, like you get like a live vote count, basically, 
of of where where, where Trump's votes uh, sit, where Biden's vote sits, because you know you spent the last three years identifying who your voters are, and now you can just spend thirty days using digital tools to turn them out. And I mean, if you look at the the digital operation of the DNC right now in the Biden campaign, I mean, it's it it just nothing compared to what Trump has built over the last three years. So it would take some of the kind of mystery of election day out of the out of the process, right? Yeah, and I think it certainly would for the campaigns themselves. You know, right now the way this this is done is campaigns send volunteers to polling locations, right? This is done in a in a very sort of analog way. You know, in in the old days, I guess you would do you'd send volunteers to precincts and you would actually go and you know, they're by law they have to show you who has showed up to vote. And so volunteers around 11 a.m. would say, "Okay, these are the people in my precinct that have voted. These are the people who have not voted. Let's get this list back to the campaign and start calling these people and make sure they turn out. You know, a lot of campaigns have tried to digitize it over the last several cycles, like the Romney campaign infamously tried to digitize that. And, and they had their that's their, their app that failed spectacularly. And, and so it's, it's been done. People have tried to digitize it a little, little bit more. But if you're talking about you have the chance to do that now digitally 30 days out, and actually start to keep track of these votes. And you basically have 30 days to model and 30 days to exactly figure out, you know, where your votes are, where your votes are coming from, as opposed to, you know, the 12 hours that you have on election day to figure this out. Does it become more of a socioeconomic status question then? Because I don't say this in a snobbish way at all, because I am much less likely to vote by post than I am in person. Why is that? Wait, why would you be why would you much more or less likely to vote by post? Because that revolves a bit of foresight and a bit of forward planning, right? You've got to do it two weeks before the election, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Well, yeah, I guess you'd have to they probably allow you to do votes up to the day of the election. Yeah. But I mean you know, if you lived in America, you'd probably get pestered three times a day to make sure you filled out your ballot via text message and digital ad and direct mail. Well then so would they have to say that election day is effectively, you know, what is it, November third? They'd say effectively it's it's November first or something. No, they 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 usually say that they vote. They count any ballots that have been postmarked, so that you know if you get it into the post office by midnight on the day, then they'll count the vote. So would that mean a, a delayed result? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, you might. I mean, you you might take three days, you know, two or three days to get the full results. Nobody's really put together a full proposal for how this would all work. If you did nationwide vote by mail, you know, maybe you get them quicker because the post office could identify ballots and get them, you know, delivered faster. But yeah, certainly, I mean, you you might not have the results the night of like we're used to. I suppose that the question is, will America be willing to accept people standing in line to vote? Perhaps they could organize some sort of social distancing measures in the lines. But if there's anything like as much fear as there is at the moment, it seems as though there'll be a strong case against that. We recently had a primary in Wisconsin, didn't we, where Wisconsin actually allowed voters to go out and do it. And there was outrage that this had happened. And I think turnout was down massively. So you might get an extremely depressed turnout, which would possibly be bad for the Republicans. You you would normally imagine that depressed turnout is good for the Republicans. But I'm not sure that's always the case now, is it? Yeah, especially if you're talking about, you know, right now we're trying to protect older people. Right. And, and older people are amongst our, the, the most vulnerable. And I think nobody would dispute that older people tend to vote. The older you are, the more you're likely to vote Republican. So, yeah, if, if the fear is anything like it is today, which hopefully it isn't, hopefully we've got it under control and hopefully there isn't a resurgence of this, that can't be good for Republicans. If you've got, you know, 
all of these people staying home. Now, maybe people would risk it to, to vote for their chosen candidate, but you know, who knows? That remains to be seen. That's a complete coin flip, I think, on whether people are actually going to brave the polls to do that. And is it going to be one of those things where, a bit like with the disastrous Iowa caucuses, where tech kind of gets in the way of the process, and then everybody decides, rather than going back to the way it should be, we should completely digitize it. And that, so we'll now be talking about 2024, we'll be looking at the first virtual or digital election where people can vote by text or email. I think that's tough. I think, you know, you have a lot, you've seen a lot of experimentation in the US with digital voting. And I think that there are good proposals out there for it, but nobody seems ready to adopt it on a large scale. So I I find it hard to believe that in the next four years, we're going to see some sort of nationwide presidential vote that's voting digitally. You'd have to really figure out, you know, that's, I think that is certainly ripe for voter fraud. If there are holes in the system, that's, that's certainly ripe for voter fraud. And of course, you'd have the possibility of hacking. We often heard that Russia had hacked the 2016 election, but you could actually have, if you had a digital election, the possibility of hacking by a foreign power would be enormous. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that that if we were to move to nationwide electronic voting, I think it'd be tough to get there quickly because I think that it'd be difficult to roll out this type of technology nationwide. If you get the technology wrong, it's obviously ripe for voter fraud. Now, if you can get the technology right, you know, I, I think it's almost impossible to commit voter fraud. You know, there's there's an Eastern European country, I, I believe it's Estonia, is experimenting with blockchain voting. And they've I, I think it's, it's been going really well. And so I, I think that that it certainly is probably in our future. I find it hard to believe that we could, it could be in our future in 2024, you know, maybe not even 2028, maybe 2032, we might be able to get there. Because just, you know, the way that the American bureaucracy works and, you know, the hodgepodge of elections in all 50 states, I think it'd be tough to get to a situation where we're, you know, doing electronic voting nationwide that quickly. But certainly, you know, I think absentee voting works, vote by mail works right now. And it might be a way that we have to, to, to move, you know, sometime this fall. But if, you, if, as you say, the Republicans do actually have quite a good chance of winning with mailed in ballots, why do you think Trump is so resistant to the idea? Do you think it's because he's sort of ignorant of the advantages that he may have? I mean, presumably his campaign manager, Brad Pascal, is a very smart data guy or seems to be. I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, this might just be my this might be my contrarian take, I guess. And but I, I think that, I, you know, certainly the Republican Party seems to always be very concerned about voter fraud. And I can see how the thought of everybody being, you know, having millions of ballots just floating out in people's homes could be, you know, a problem for voter fraud. You know, I guess my, my personal opinion, looking at sort of the infrastructure that's been built out and uh, the way that you could run almost a virtually digital campaign, I, it really just looks like it would be hugely advantageous for, for the Republican Party and for Trump in the fall if, if we move that way. Just lastly, did you vote by postal ballot in 2016? I vote absentee just about every year. So I'm usually traveling or I'm usually uh, staying or living somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I vote by mail every year. They send me my ballot, both for the primary and for the general and for all of my city elections as well. Well, back in Michigan. Back in Michigan. Yeah, Detroit area. It's the American dream. Thank you very much, Zach. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite.